Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, and here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And for those of you that have been following the podcast, you know that in 2016, I've made a commitment to do more shows that focus on social transformation because I feel strongly that this is the year that those of us in which transformation has come alive for us individually and in our close relationships are being moved to take that new possibility of being for human beings out into the world. And as we do that, we come up against the dysfunctionality in our groups, in our companies, organizations, communities. And there are some amazing people doing some powerful work to take that on and to actively participate in the transformation of organizations and community and society. And I'm very excited about today's show. Our special guest is a woman named Marin Keeley, who is the co-founder of a magazine that launched back in January of 2015 called Conscious Company. And I think I might have been in East West Bookstore in uh, Mountain View, California. I'm not exactly sure where I came across the, uh, the magazine originally, but it really popped out at me. And the combination of the quality of the material and also the presentation, the, the aesthetics and the graphics uh, was just uh, top notch. And uh, I actually purchased the magazine and pretty much went through it cover to cover and had one of those feelings where I just kept getting these yeses, you know, that I, I really, I really need to meet these people who had founded this and I needed to um, kind of evangelize their work and help get it out there. So I reached out to Marin and she was kind enough to respond and here we are. So Marin Keeley, welcome to the conversation and welcome to Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be here. Okay. So uh, what I'm all about in this interview is just giving uh, the listeners an opportunity to really connect with you and really connect with your work, because I know if they do, they'll really be inspired to participate and to help spread the good news. So what I'd like to do in the first part of the interview is just kind of turn it over to you and give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners and to tell your story kind of in the context of um, kind of how you got to this place. And uh, I think that'll really help the listeners to uh, get the most out of this conversation. So why don't I turn it over to you and feel free to, to kind of tell your story that brings us up to eventually brings us up to present time. That sounds wonderful. Um, 
Well, I suppose I won't tell my whole story, but I'll tell the story of uh, how this business got started. And the truth is, I wish that my business partner, Megan French Dunbar, um, Conscious Company Magazine's co-founder and brilliant editor-in-chief was here with me because uh, the story of how Conscious Company Magazine was born is is truly the story of our partnership um, and us becoming friends and then colleagues. Um, it has taken both of us since the beginning and she's been just a complete rock through the, the process of, of starting and building a business. Um, for the last five years, I was in Boulder, Colorado, and we met working at another, uh, at a nonprofit in Boulder. Um, she had just completed her graduate studies. She has an MBA in sustainable business. Um, and I was actually about to start a very similar program. Um, I was going into my two year uh, program study for sustainable business. She ended up leaving that nonprofit and taking a job as um, an editor of another nationally distributed magazine. And she and I stayed in touch um, as friends. And this was in the spring, early spring of 2014. I met her for, um, for happy hour, for some pizza and wine in, in Boulder. And I asked her why she thought a magazine about sustainable business didn't exist. And um, she just, she told me that she just, she swore there had to be something. And I told her that I really hadn't come across anything. Um, I love magazines for their ability to be timely and, and current and at the same time um, different from a blog or something that just exists in a digital space because that's uh, sometimes difficult to stumble across. And I'll tell you uh, in, a, in a few moments why that was important to us. But um, after doing some research, we realized that there wasn't any competition in this area and that what did exist was only um, in the format of a website or a blog. And so we, we sort of thought about it for a couple weeks and took this crazy leap of faith saying, if not us, then whom? And David, like you, we, we did this because we believe in the power of storytelling. Um, we believe in the power of, of narrative and uh, we have this sort of underlying faith that if, if we can see the sort of humans and, and the story and the people behind um, businesses that are trying to be uh, transformative powers in the world and, and uh, those who are truly trying to use business as a force for good, then more people will understand that sustainable business is something that can actually drive real change. Um, and that's another core belief that Megan and I have shared since the beginning of our friendship is that we, we both feel that um, while philanthropic efforts are wonderful and much needed, they can't be the only thing that's relied upon. And the current state of the world is is one that is extremely fragile and um, frightening. And Megan and I both felt very called earlier in our lives to to have some impact there um, and to do what we can to be a positive force for good on this planet during our lifetime. So we uh, we kept thinking about this magazine idea and decided that it had to be both print and digital. And print because our goal was to really use it as a vehicle to expand the conversation around business as a force for good. Um, at many of the conferences that we went to, 
we would see a lot of the same faces, remarkable people who are already working in the space, working so tirelessly that sometimes they forget to even lift their head up and, and tell their own story. And we said that we wanted to be the voice for this movement and to use the power of great design and great storytelling to show people that, that sustainable business wasn't something that uh, involved sacrifice or um, necessarily even smaller profits or was sort of a, a softer approach to business, but that this is actually a way to make your businesses more resilient and to begin to build the kind of economy and the kind of world that we wanna see. Um, one that treats the world and people with, with dignity. So the remainder of 2014, uh, starting, we launched our business in April um, and we worked to build that first issue. We did crowdfunding campaigns to get a little bit of capital to get our business off the ground. Um, we did interviews, we reached out to as many people as we could who had some expertise in this area. Um, Megan has a journalism background. I have a, an art and design background. Um, and I was actually also a chef for 15 years. So going back to business school was a major pivot for me. Um, and Megan and I have just been, it's been the hardest thing we've ever done, but it's been an amazing journey and an amazing partnership, partnership. that's been born of this. Um, and we've enjoyed every minute of it. Our first issue hit stands in January of last year, 2015. Um, and actually with that first issue, we were nationally distributed uh, at every Whole Foods in the country. And um, we had four issues in the course of 2015 last year. We were quarterly. This year, we've gone to six issues bi-monthly. And we have seven different sections in the magazine uh, that are telling stories about businesses that are, are taking a triple bottom line approach uh, to their work. So recognizing the human side of things and the environmental side of things in their practices. Um, and we look at businesses in the energy sector, the food and agriculture sector, the finance sector. Um, and then we also have a lot of stories of, of leadership uh, that, that can be quite powerful and hopefully inspiring for folks. So that was sort of uh, how we got our start and um, our mission is unchanged. We, we really believe that there's a, another revolution and transformation going on um, in the economy right now. And I, I truly believe, as does Megan, that this will be the way that businesses need to operate, are asked by people to operate um, in the future. The, for all of the downsides of, of perhaps the way that information can be shared across the globe in seconds with social media, um, the other thing that the internet and social media have both done is, is create this increased transparency. And um, with increased transparency comes greater accountability. And I think it's time that we, uh, we really design our businesses to be forces for good for many, not just a few. Um, and that's another core belief that we have. So here we are, we are working really hard, tirelessly. Um, we're still a very small team of fewer than five people. Um, and we're working hard to put these issues out, but it's the most fulfilling work I've ever done. Um, and I know that's true for Megan too. And we know that people are truly enjoying hearing and reading these stories. Um, and so we're doing everything we can to just 
keep growing our business and, and keep putting it out there because it's a very important and timely conversation that we feel extremely called to inspire people to have. Um, and that's really our ultimate goal. Who have been some of your most important mentors and people that have influenced your being and your thinking and where your energy is going? Um, I suppose, I guess I want to answer that question both personally and then also for the business. Um, for me personally, my, my parents have both encouraged me to follow my passions and interest. Um, and it wasn't really until starting this business that a lot of my different experiences and interests started to gel and come together. Um, and it felt like all of a sudden, Megan and I were both just 29 when we launched this business. Um, but it felt like a real coming together of different experiences in my life. And so that was deeply gratifying for me. And I am extremely grateful to both my parents for just continually inspiring me my entire life. Um, my mother is an amazing artist and she's inspired me to be creative forever. And my dad is an innovation strategist and he has worked, gosh, harder than anyone I've ever seen work. Um, just tirelessly and, and really set that example. And uh, I've carried that with me. Um, and then as far as our business is concerned, Megan and I have this beautiful opportunity to, to speak to um, people who are working in the space, mission-driven business leaders and founders. And some of our cover stories, we've had John Mackey, who um, of course started Whole Foods, Chip Conley, who's a brilliant uh, CEO in the Bay Area. He he launched the Joie de Vivre hotel chain, and now he's working as the head of global hospitality for Airbnb. And Eileen Fisher, uh, we're just our first three covers. And these are all people that have been working in this space, not for a couple years, but for decades. And to get to hear their stories, to hear what was challenging for them, what continues to be challenging for them, and then also what is so rewarding and inspiring for them, it is, it's such a gift. It is the it is the best part about this job. Um, and the truth is this work is not easy. It is not easy to start a business. It's not easy to start a business that tries to do right by its team, by all of its stakeholders and by the environment. Um, so to be able to hear these inspiring stories from other folks continuously uh, has been just a real gift. And I would say that we have the good fortune of meeting new mentors all of the time. You mean just because of the nature of your of your magazine? Precisely, yeah. We get to speak to people about their, their work and their journey. And um, Megan and I have personal and professional takeaways from most of the interviews we do. What are you doing to, what practices do you have that help you to take care of yourself in this kind of stressful project so that your vibration stays as clear and as high as possible? Hmm. I think that that's a, gosh, that's an ongoing practice. For me, I, uh, I know that I am naturally more introverted. So to be able to take those quiet moments by myself, um, every day, whether that's 
walking on a trail with my dog, um, whether that's just sitting quietly, meditating for a few moments, um, or gardening is another one of my passions. Having those, those, those quiet times to sort of restore and rebuild um, are vital. And I, and I take those, I try and take those without fail, even if it's just 10 to 20 minutes. Um, sometimes it's not the length as much as the, the action and the recognition um, that really counts. So I'm also a runner. And as I mentioned, I used to be a chef and for cooking to be my hobby again has become a real uh, gift and a real treat. And working from home, I often get to cook a meal um, throughout the day. So that's another way that I just try and add a little bit of balance and stress relief into my day. Um, and that's a hard question. I mean, you also have to love the work you're doing because right now it's a short day for both Megan and I right now is about 12 hours. Wow. It's, but like I said, we love what we do. And as, as, as challenging as it might be, um, and there's the funny thing about starting a business is that there are, there can be highs and lows in a, not only a day, but just in a, in a few hours, um, something wonderful can happen. And then something that you have to, a problem that you have to sort of drop everything and go attend to can also come up. Um, sure. Sure. But so, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to all the normal challenges of starting a business, you're really taking on um, a tremendously challenging project in the sense that it's impossible to divorce looking at the health of companies without also looking at the health of our financial system in general. And to me, the, the financial mechanisms of our culture up to this point have been one of the major control mechanisms for the forces in our culture that don't want people to reclaim their power and their sovereignty. So it's kind of like jumping into the lion's den because of that connection between that's inherent right now between companies and finances so that when we're looking at the transformation of companies, we have to also have the conversation around money and what money is and how it's handled and what the relationship is between um, how we interact with money both personally and collectively and the health of companies and people in companies. Um, to what extent are you taking that conversation on as well? Or are you, for, for the time being, just accepting the current macroeconomic financial system as a given? Oh, well... A bit, I mean, we started the magazine to, I think, I, I think a big part of what's at stake and what's at play there, of course, there are the powers that be. And um, I would like to see many of the existing systems in our country shift. And I believe that they will um, and are in some small ways. Um, but then as far as what we can 
do as individuals. Um, a big part of it is, is just increasing the understanding around some of these things. So one of the things that we're trying to do is, is just uh, sort of expose some of these realities by telling these stories, by interviewing people. And a lot of this comes out in, in the, the reasons that people cite for why they started their business in the first place. Um, when we're talking to, to mission-driven business owners, they, they're often called to solve a problem or address an issue through what they're doing. And um, while I do recognize that we need major overhaul, I think that that's going to take a lot of people working together um, the private and the public sectors working together and, and citizens really speaking up for what they want to see. Um, so if we can help by doing our part to sort of expose and educate folks around not only the current realities, but how they might be different. Um, we hope, we hope humbly that that might have some small impact because yes, uh, the reason that we, we did what we did was to, to try and have real impact, to try and get this small collective group of people who are working to drive change through business to be a much larger, more robust group. Um, and really, hopefully, all support one another. That's something that's really important to, to Megan and I. Could you talk a little more about addressing the issue and the conversation about how business success is measured. You know, I think one of the problems, one of the dysfunctionalities in the way businesses have showed up in our culture is that the way that success has been measured has been measured, first of all, in a very, fairly linear way in terms of monetary accounting profits, but also the time frame it's it's been measured quarter to quarter so that very often uh things that make the books look better in a particular quarter are very dysfunctional in the long run and so you mentioned before about this triple bottom line and i think it would be useful to flesh that out a little bit uh, if you could talk about what this triple bottom line is and what uh, what's kind of on the cutting edge in terms of practices that support these triple bottom lines and also in how the success of these three bottom lines are being measured in a more valid way. David, you've uh, touched on my, my biggest problem with uh, traditional business. Um, first of all, the way that we currently uh, expect businesses to work is to basically generate these profits that just grow exponentially and forever. It's, a, it's an unrealistic expectation that the world simply cannot support, and nothing in nature works that way. So it is a, it's a funny thing to me that business came to be expected to, to be able to function this way. And then as far as the length um, of time that we look at success through, it's uh, three months, a quarter, 90 days. It's truly impossible to, to drive real change in that kind of a window of time. Um, and I also think that it stifles 
innovation and creativity and people's willingness to try something new uh, for the sake of improvement or, or anything else. So those are truly my biggest issues with, uh, with business. And um, like I mentioned earlier, we take a triple bottom line approach to our business. And that's truly the, the approach to business that we're supporting in the magazine. And while there are some cutting edge and pretty radical approaches to accounting in this regard, um, what we do is we actually still use traditional accounting, but what we try to make sure we're doing is taking uh, people and the environment into account in everything that we do. So not just take the sort of cheapest option or um, the option that comes with, um, I guess, sacrifice on the environment's behalf or on people's behalf. So that is uh, one thing that we just absolutely believe in. Um, Could you give an example as a business owner of some decisions that you've had to make where probably the outcome of the decision was impacted by um, this triple bottom line filter that you're using for your decision making? Sure, absolutely. I can give a couple. Um, we're a paper magazine. We work with a nonprofit in Boulder um, and we pay uh, every issue to be able to plant trees to neutralize our paper consumption. Uh, this is a cost that lots of businesses, businesses would laugh at taking on. And um, in 2015, we planted 633 trees um, to make sure that we were neutralizing our paper consumption. And it's our goal to not only neutralize, but be generating uh, trees um, in our future moving forward. The other thing that we do is um, we don't hesitate to donate to libraries or education programs. Um, and that's something that we could, could potentially profit off of uh, if we were sort of selling those issues. But we believe in sort of, like we said, expanding the conversation. Another example of that decision is uh, a really tough decision we made around advertising in the magazine. We, um, we said no to, I'm not going to name the, the brand of car, but it was a large SUV, used lots of gas, um, and we, we said no to advertising their products in our magazine uh, because we just didn't believe that it was, it was representative of our values and, and what we want to see the world um, adapt and grow into. So there are just a couple decisions. Um, through the traditional lens of business, they would be seen as extraneous costs or uh, turning away profit. For us, um, it was really important to not cloud our values. So does that right. help? So do you, I mean, people are going to find out about this from this podcast, but if, if we hadn't had this conversation, um, do you think people would have found out about this? Because I think part of your marketing or part of your getting the word out about who you are in a powerful way is, I think this is a powerful story to tell. Well, thank you. Um, we, we, we've, we've shared this story a, a handful of times, certainly not with everyone. And, um, I, I agree, but also, I mean, something that, that Megan and I believe in is, is humbly making the right decision 
um, because it's what allows us to sleep at night and sleep well. And um, it's something that I want to see more businesses grow into, more people grow into. Do the right thing, not because there's something in it for them, but just because, you know, it's, it's, it's living into the realities that you want to you want to see manifest in the world. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just think that, um, I just think that people want to feel part of something bigger and that I want to encourage you to, you know, don't hide your light under a bushel. Tell, <laughs> to, you love stories, tell your own story because I think, I think it's really inspiring. Um, and uh, thank you. That's a good reminder. And I would also encourage you to, um, if you haven't done it already, I'd be happy to provide the, the space here. But somewhere, I think it would be really good to have you and Megan interviewed at the same time so that I, myself or another interview, could draw out the dynamic of your connection together and your relationship because... I think one of the things that is part of the new story as opposed to the old story is if you look at the the hero's journey as it came through, say, um, Joseph Campbell's interpretation of it, he focused on the fact that it was an individual journey that had to ultimately be made in the depth of one's own soul which I believe is true. But then in, in his rendition of the hero's journey, it was the individual that came back to the collective and was basically the, the, um, the agent of change. And in, and in that hero's journey interpretation, it, really the whole issue of the power of conscious relationship to be a new space of possibility, to be a new agent of change, that that relationship has a group consciousness and a group life that has its own life and its own power, I think is, a, is an extension of the hero's journey that needs to be told as well. And so I want to encourage you to make that part of your story as well because you know i think part of what keeps us stuck being in dysfunctional ways is this idea that there's only the individual and then there's the collective and that to me would be like trying to drive a car that only had two forward gears and it would be very uh, inefficient and very frustrating and very stressful. And so, um, you know, I want to throw in my two cents and encourage you not only to tell your story about how you guys are running your business and how you see that, but also encourage you to, to be present with the story of your relationship and the creative process that unfolds from that because um i think that's a story that needs to be told as well 
Thank you. And I, I agree with you. It's, it's good to have that reminder. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is like when I was reading about you and I was reading about Megan, um, I saw that that Megan was married. And I wondered if how how it's been for her to juggle being married with this project and the fact that she's spending so much time with you. Has that been uh, has that been a smooth process for for her, or has that been a, 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 a major challenge? Oh, um, <laughs> you know, I would say that work-life balance is a is a challenge for anyone who starts a business. But um, Megan and her husband have one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever seen. They are so supportive of one another, and her husband Scott has been, oh gosh, our biggest ally. Um, since launching this business, he has helped us um, countless nights with many different aspects of the business. He um, he's a lawyer by by training, and um, he's given us advice and support along the way. And uh, we truly wouldn't be where we are without his help. Um, fantastic. And then, yeah, it has been fantastic. And the other thing that's really important is that. Uh, Megan and I truly respect um, each other's time in the evening and on the weekend. And even if there are things that we need to communicate to one another about the business, uh, we try and do it in a respectful format, um, like email if it's urgent. And, and really otherwise, let it wait um, because it's very important for each of us to have that downtime for us to not forget about um, the other parts of our lives because that's a big part of what it means to be healthy balanced whole thriving individuals yeah so. you know that's that's wonderful to hear and that i just want to underscore this importance of boundaries that you know whether you're studying the health of a cell <clears throat> excuse me or a human body or an individual or a relationship or an organization or a country um, it just seems to be an inherent uh, aspect of life that part of being healthy at whatever dynamic you want to talk about, uh, an important component of that is a sensitivity to that allows one to establish and maintain and be flexible regarding appropriate boundaries. And it sounds like you and Megan and Scott are really in tune with each other and very respectful of each other. And that's one of the things that allows everybody to shine. Absolutely. And I think that at the heart of, um, at the heart of Megan and I's partnership and certainly um, Scott as well, when he comes into play and then, and now with the, the, the team that we're beginning to grow, um, Starting from a base of, of just deep-seated respect for one another um, is hugely important. It's, you know, it, making mistakes uh, happen. It's, it's part of being human and an ability to sort of recognize those mistakes, have the freedom to make them and know that, you know, it, very few mistakes that we can make in our lives are, are unfixable. 
So I think to, to sort of create a business that's trying to push a lot of boundaries and do things differently um, and change, I, got, uh, I guess, tradition is the right word, um, or typical approaches to things, it, it takes a willingness to experiment, a willingness to be okay with uncertainty. Um, and you can't really hold that space for an extended period of time if you don't have that respect and love for one another as, as the foundation. What's the process been like for you of hiring people? And, you know, as I get more experience in my life, I find that, um, you know, I think more and more about that famous comment that Jim Collins made in the classic book, uh, Good to Great, where he talks about uh, about 80% of success is getting the right people on the bus. And uh, absolutely, you know, it, I'm finding that is just so true. And would you be willing to talk about the experience that you and Megan have gone through in your decision about when to hire people and how you went about finding the right people and um, and empowering those people? And also, if you've ever had to um, let somebody go because it was not a good fit, what that was like for you as well. Sure, I, I will do my best to answer all of that. Um, also, just know that we are going through the process of, of really doing our first significant round of hiring right now. And um, we couldn't be more excited about having a team. We also know that we need to get it right um, or do our best to do so at this early stage. You know, um, one of the big lessons that we've learned along the way is that First and foremost, people have to be so excited about the mission and the purpose uh, of our business. They have to be on board with that 100% and just really embody a willingness to, to live it, essentially. Um, and then also, you know, with a startup business, with a small business that's getting itself off the ground, there is a great deal of uncertainty that um, a lot of people, even if they are extremely skilled at what they do, that part might might not be what they're willing to take on. Um, or can you balancing? Can you give an example of that? Um, someone who, for instance, uh, a single mom who was dying to work with us, loved what we were doing, wanted to come on board, had the personality, the skill set, and the experience that would have just completely rocked a position. She couldn't jump from her current comfortable, reliable job because she had two kids in college and she was a single mom. And Megan and I had nothing but respect for that. And we completely understood. There's a lot of risk in, in starting a business, working for a young company. And um, as much as people want to find work that uh, that fulfills them and that they're passionate about and gives them a deep sense of purpose. Um, you know, at an early stage that, that also is coupled by, by some risk, right. In a young business. Um, and it's, it's really hard, I think right now to have one without the other when something is just 
getting its its feet wet essentially like Megan and I joke all the time about it you know starting a business is 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 almost like having a baby and you just need to shape and mold and model this thing and nurture it and give it what it needs to grow and thrive until it can eventually do so on its own but there is a process of of just growing up and um and it takes a lot of attention and so right now the characteristics that we're really looking for in anyone that we bring on our team um is sort of a grit and tenacity um and that sort of drive to, to keep doing what they do, bring their individual strengths to the table um, and just be willing to, to keep working and keep iterating and keep trying to get it right and keeping better at what they do. Um, so continuous improvement is another, like I mentioned, just value of ours. Um, and then another important thing when we're all just, you know, sort of uh, working very hard and, and wearing many hats, um, we really look for a bias towards action. We need people that are going to be willing to just try something, um, knowing that we can edit, change, um, you know, iterate on anything, but uh, they need to embody that willingness to just take a stab at creating something. Because um, what Megan and I don't have is the sort of bandwidth to do everyone else's job right now. Um, that is that is why we're hiring and, and doing so with enthusiasm. So um, those are sort of the qualities that we look for. And, and like I said, um, while we, we're not old enough to have really let anyone go at this point, I, I have had to do that in other jobs, but um, the culture fit is, is uh, most important above everything else. Um, What's the interview? If that makes sense. Yeah. What's the interview process been like? Um, it's been very communal. It starts with Megan and I uh, speaking with someone and then another person, uh, Kate Herman is our colleague. She's uh, the third member who's recently joined our leadership team. She's focusing on business development for us. Um, and we all interview someone. If we feel like they're a good fit, um, then we, we introduce them to the rest of our team. Um, our designer, another girl who's been with us since the beginning, selling ads part-time. Um, and like I said, first and foremost, it has to be a great fit with the team and, and then they have to be, um, just really skilled at what they do and embody those, those core values. So, um, integrity is another one of those. Um, and in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, capitalizing and financing your growth, are you, able to do that out of current revenues or are you do you have investors or do you have a line of credit or how are you handling the financial end of things so that you can pay people what they need so that they can live and thrive mm-hmm. absolutely we 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 believe fully in paying um not only a living wage but um rewarding our, our team uh, to the best of our abilities very handsomely and uh, not having a great um, gap between, for instance, what we make or what uh, anyone else on our team makes. So that's just important to us. Financing the business um, has been a, an interesting and challenging journey. As I mentioned earlier, we got our start with a crowdfunding campaign um, and then three business credit cards. 
Uh, we've had a couple small loans from friends and family along the way, um, and we're just working to close our first round of um, investment. And it's been, it has been an uphill battle. Um, I can tell you that. First and foremost, with our investors, we're we're looking for for mission aligned um, people to to support us, to back us, and. Um, we talked about the short-term and long-term approach to business. One thing that Megan and I have not built into any of our slide decks that we um, use when we're pitching to investors is, is a plan to sell the business. I think that that is part of what um, also creates this, this sort of short-term success and growth and cycle mentality that uh, traditional business takes on. Right. And finding fi uh, investors that are, are truly okay with that um, it has been an interesting, interesting process, um, but that's something that we're not willing to compromise on. We need people that. that not, my apologies. Um, that not only believe in what we're up to. Sorry, that's my home office and my dogs in the background. What's your dog? Um, what's your dog's name? <laughs> I'm sitting here with Cooper, who's a blue healer, and Suka, who's a little Aussie Shepherd mix. Okay. Are you still there, Marin? I am. Sorry, there was a a creature that just wandered by the window and and caused them some some stress and turmoil. So I'm here with. So like I, I'm here I, with our dog Lana, and she's hearing your dog. She's wondering where those dogs are. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Uh, yeah, they're they're protected me from something I don't quite need protection for, but it gives them a deep sense of fulfillment. So, <laughs> so you were talking about um, financing your business. And one question I had regarding the crowdfunding, are these gifts or loans or are these people have a piece of the action or how does that work? There's a couple different models. Lots of crowdfunding. Um, we did a donation-based campaign uh, first on Kickstarter, where we actually weren't successfully funded, but then we did a follow-up one on Indiegogo. On both of those platforms, um, you give a, a sort of gift or um, reward for different levels of donation. Um, in our case, we were able to give out um, single issues and then subscriptions and then um, ads. So that's sort of how we uh, incentivize donating to our campaign, but really, um, we were surrounded by two, I mean, our community has been so supportive of us, uh, on this journey. I can't tell you how many people have helped Megan and I, and we are so deeply touched by this, like from our crowdfunding start, um, to just along the way as, as advisors, as just people who have given us support in our own lives. And we wouldn't be here without that. Um, so as far as a piece of the action, equity crowdfunding is something that is is beginning to get off the ground, but that's not um, the path that we went down. Okay, so. so you have you have these crowdfunding people that it's, I mean, you are giving them something, but to a large extent, it's a gift. So it is, yes. it is. And then you have a couple of uh, investors or lenders. Um, currently, we are still searching for investors um we've we've been on this journey we have uh, about half of our current round um of fundraising committed and we are still working to find um 
a handful of people who who would be willing to come in at the uh, at the young stage that we're at and support us. Um, you know, one uh, suggestion I have for you is um, to connect with Lynn Twist. Do you know Lynn Twist? I don't. L y n n e Twist. She wrote the book The Soul of hmm. Honey. She is a co-founder of the Panchamama Alliance. And oh, wow. she uh, was uh, involved in the very beginning with the Hunger Project. And she is a hub uh, for a lot of people who have more money than they need for their families living expenses that are looking to do good things with it. And uh, what I would do is I would go online and I would Google Lynn Twist or Google the Panchamama Alliance or the Soul of Money. And somehow you'll be able to get to her secretary or her admin. And if you mention my name to the admin and that I referred you and who you are and what you're doing, and what you're looking for that might that might open up some powerful doors for you. Thank you, David. That means a great deal. I appreciate that. Sure, I will do that. Yeah, keep me posted on that. So we'll do. So the more the more we're talking about your personal journey and the journey of you and Megan and the journey of your business, the more convinced I am that this is a story that needs to be told. That this is that this should be in your magazine. That that somebody should interview you you guys for in the mag you. in the magazine that that it would be you'd probably get more letters from that than any story you've ever done and <laughs> and it's not just you know it's um it's not just the result you've produced along the way but it's the journey that um gives what you're doing a a spiritual potency that um, mm. even if you got the money in another way, it wouldn't be the same. Oh, I, thank you. I uh, that, that could be really interesting to tell our own story in the magazine. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about how highly you value good storytelling. Absolutely. I, and uh, you know, I think once people start emotionally resonating not only with the work you're doing but also with you as people and as your story uh, things will really take off for you in unexpected ways like in other words to treat yourself the way you would treat a person you're doing a, a person or a company that you're doing a story on and you do it in such a way so that the reader doesn't just get a sense of the business, but they really get a sense of the person involved in their journey. I'm just saying to just turn that back on yourselves. And, you know, if there's something I can do to facilitate that, it'd be my honor and privilege, but I'm just getting all sorts of <clears throat> green lights in my, in myself right now, just to tell you that that would be such an enormous contribution and it would be such a win-win for everybody. And it would be such a demonstration of your 
walking your talk, of your transparency, of your commitment to being present. I just think it would speak volumes. <coughs> Thank you. I think that's a, a good idea. We'll have to figure out a, a graceful way of, of approaching that. But I, I love the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I want to switch gears a little bit because I think we've done a good job now of of really giving people a sense of who you are in your journey personally and professionally. <clears throat> um, let's switch and talk more about maybe some of the content of what's in the magazine. Maybe you could pick one or, one or two of your favorite feature stories and tell the story in a way that will give the listeners a sense of the kind of uh, work that's in the magazine. Sure. Um, goodness. It's hard. It's really hard for me to pick some of. Or how about the story that's in the recent magazine about the, the group that's working to help people with felony records to um, to have gainful employment. Oh, uh, well, you're you're talking. I guess I'll have to speak about the whole spotlight on the um, on the prison the prison industry. This was um, a piece that we worked really hard on to both explain the current landscape of um, the incarceration system in this country, give people some context and understanding. Um, for what that's like, and particularly the, the private um, prison industry. Um, so, so prisons that are actually for-profit businesses, not um, run uh, federally. So that was just one thing. And then we, we looked at a handful of, of individuals and businesses that are working to have some positive impacts on this, on this shockingly large population. I mean, in, in the U.S., we... Uh, relative to every other country, have such a, a high um, percentage of, of incarcerated individuals. And it's, it's supposed to be a correction system. And the truth is, it is a system that locks people up and then leaves them, if they do get out, um, in a situation that is extremely difficult to rebuild and recover from. So we wanted to highlight businesses that were working to improve the welfare of, of prisoners by giving them um, access to just uh, to phones that, that didn't charge astronomical rates so that they could communicate with their families. This was uh, statistically one of the things that helped to reduce recidivism. Um, and then a couple other businesses, um, we, we had an article written by a gentleman named Anthony Gromko who's worked uh, to bring entrepreneurship education um, to women's prisons in the state of Washington. Washington, and um, I think inspiring these women to try and start businesses. And then um, another woman by the name of Sonia Scarla, uh, who works with um, formerly incarcerated individuals to help them basically get the uh, necessary things to rebuild their life, whether that is starting a bank account, whether that is um, legal services to help them understand what kinds of jobs they can uh, apply for. Um, to have their, their sort of records expunged because just having to check that box that says that you are 
um, a former convict or felon on any job application is such a barrier to getting gainful employment. And that in itself becomes one of the things that drives this cycle of um, these high recidivism rates of people returning to incarceration because they can't actually survive on their own and they return often to some of the things that landed them in prison in the first place. And it's, it's a horribly sad cycle and one that is actually costing the taxpayers um, enormous amounts of money. So that was a, a section of the magazine that we tried to take a truly comprehensive approach to highlighting an issue and then showing a couple different ways where positive impact is being made through business. Maybe you could tell the story about the about the restaurant. Um, the restaurant the one in that, Detroit. The one that's actually providing basically they're they're hiring these people and they're basically providing tremendous training for them and there's all this love and support and they it was just so inspiring to read about. Oh, good. Well, that's what that's what we're going for. So maybe you could tell um, that story. Sure. Um, well, there were a couple different businesses that were highlighted in the recent issue that uh, we're working towards. This Grayston Bakery, of course, um, hires formerly incarcerated individuals and then um, trains them to uh, not only understand the business but to to have a um, baking skill and then. Um, I think, let's see, what uh, what was the other business that you might be talking about? Uh, Cafe Momentum? Okay. Cafe Momentum in Dallas, Texas, yeah. Uh, this is a business that um, is working to address the recidivism rates in Texas, uh, which are as high as 47%. Um, so they've, uh, they've, their mission is to get it... Uh, significantly reduced from there. Um, so this is, uh, the founder, Chad Hauser, is is working with um, all of their employees to really make sure that they are, are uh, learning employment, life, and social skills um, while working through all the various stations of the restaurant. So it really, it teaches them um, sort of that they can rebuild their lives through through hard work. They get to know the restaurant industry by working in all uh, sort of aspects of of the cafe, um, and then they also get to sort of learn uh, learn their their life skills as well. So uh, they the team at Cafe Momentum really works to address like urgent needs uh, from homelessness and hunger and healthcare um, to really help these folks rebuild rebuild their lives. It's so inspiring and it's so important the work that you're doing so that these pilot, I, I consider them pilot projects, these pilot projects, the ones that are working, uh, it's a great contribution for more people to know about these people and these pilot projects so that um, the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented completely. Um, Absolutely. Especially a business that's willing to work with juvenile offenders. I mean, this is kids that get in trouble when they're younger than 18. It, that is a population in this country that we just unfortunately practically shun and leave behind. And it is extremely hard to recover um, from anything on your record 
when you're younger than 18. And so to see a business, um, it is a nonprofit, it's not a for-profit, uh, but Chad Hauser's work of, of giving these kids a, a year-long internship, um, it's just amazing for him to be able to, through this business, take recidivism rates in Texas for this population that are typically, uh, like I said, at 47% and reduce them down to 11%. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's not only, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a thriving restaurant that's getting rave reviews, um, but it's also having really positive impact. And uh, I, I like to believe um, that we could come to see a world where every business has to function this way where the idea of having negative external consequences or um, perhaps benefiting only a small percentage of a business's stakeholders and leaving the rest to just uh, sort of suffer or absorb some of these other costs, this just, it feels like an archaic way of doing business. And it's not one that the planet or, or our population can afford to tolerate any longer. So it's Megan and I's hope that these stories will shed some light on what's possible and, um, that people will either be inspired to start their own businesses, go and find businesses like these to work for, um, find businesses like these as customers or investors to support. Um, and then also just as individuals and consumers, voting with your dollar is, is something that is, it sounds small, but it, it is so meaningful. And um, I think that this is something that we can do when we have a lot and also when we have a little all of our decisions and our actions um, have consequences and so to be considerate along the way is uh, hugely important no matter who who you are yeah i want to underscore the importance of uh, in today's world uh, of voting with your dollars uh, one of the areas because i'm a holistic doctor one of the things that i've come up against in in my commitment to uh, make high level wellness uh, a real possibility for people is really coming up against the devastating impact of genetically modified foods. And we're seeing here in California, we're seeing some amazing uh, behavioral change, even though legally we haven't been effective in terms of changing the laws about GMOs having to be labeled, we've raised the consciousness to the point where there are tremendous economic opportunities for companies that do uh, produce and promote GMO-free organic foods to the point where when you go to a Costco now, even in the Bay Area, there's a tremendous amount of shelf space freezer space and refrigerator space that's totally dedicated to organic GMO-free food. And um, it's making an enormous difference because people are, are voting with their dollars, even though uh, DuPont and Monsanto have been able to throw enough money at these state elections and propositions to keep the labeling laws from being changed. We're doing an end around because people are voting with their dollars. I agree. I think it's. I think it's actually a a really exciting time. Um, and as we're seeing sort of the increased 
transparency and understanding and awareness on individual levels. Um, it's really starting to generate um, and push businesses to, to change. I obviously applaud and, and love the small businesses that are, are uh, building themselves from the ground up. Um, but I'm also really excited to see a lot of these large companies um, begin to adopt practices, uh, whether it's just um, putting solar panels on, on their roofs or beginning to sell more products that are, as you mentioned, um, produced in the case of food uh, as, as organic items, fair trade items, um, uh, free genetic modification, things like that. Um, I think that we're going to see that that happen only more and more. So I think it's it's a hugely exciting time, and it is not a time for people to be quiet, but to rather continue to ask for and and really stand up for what they want to see um, businesses deliver. Absolutely. So um, we've got about ten minutes left, and I want to make sure that you have the time and the space to share anything that you would like to share that just didn't come up yet in the course of the conversation, anything at all. And then also, I want to give you a chance to give out any contact information you want to give out in terms of if people want to check out your work, they want to check out your magazine, Conscious Company, or maybe they have a suggestion or a connection for you in terms of a person that that they think might be interesting for you to meet and talk to, or possibly a, a company that's doing excellent work that um, they may be interested in having you spotlight. I wanna make sure that before we complete the conversation that you have a chance to give your contact information and then we'll also give that, we'll also give that same contact information on our website on cuttingedgedoc.com on the dedicated page for this interview with Marin Keeley. So Marin, is there anything you'd like to say or ask or tell me or tell the listeners that we didn't get a chance to to showcase or give you a chance to talk about? Um gosh, well first of all I appreciate appreciate this, David, and uh, I, I also appreciate what our conversation has already covered. Um, I think the last thing that I will say is that I, I have such deep respect for the people that are, are working hard to drive positive change, because it does take so much just vigilance and hard work. Um, and I would encourage anyone out there who's, who's thinking about something um, to not hold themselves back from trying it simply because of fear and, um, find a partner who can help you and share your passion for that mission and, uh, help you on that journey. Um, if Megan and I, if we had tried, if either one of us had tried to do this on our own, it would have been impossible. Um, so I think that that we have a, a world full of complex, really gnarly issues. And um, they're issues that, that need to be addressed by, by brilliant, um, balanced teams that, that just believe that they can uh, have impact. 
Um, and I would encourage everyone to remember that they can. So I guess that's the last thing that I'll say. As far, oh, contact information. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we, uh, we have our website, ConsciousCompanyMagazine.com. That's where um, folks can go and check out articles from all six of our issues to date. Um, our sixth issue, our social justice issue, just hit stands this week on March 1st. Um, so please visit the website. You can subscribe there. Or uh, we also are sold out of Whole Foods Market, Barnes & Noble, um, gosh, Books A Million on the East Coast, Target in the Southeast, a number of small independent bookstores and natural food retailers. Um, and we're trying to grow that as well. But, but the website's always a reliable place to find either a single issue or a subscription or just come and check out our articles. And then um, also uh, with our business, we're, we're always looking for, for advertisers who, who want to put their company in the pages of Conscious Company Magazine or on our website um, or social media. It's, it's what allows us to keep putting these stories out there. And um, we, uh, we have an approach to advertising where we, we truly try and make sure that, we're, uh, that our advertising clients are getting real value out of advertising in our magazine or on our website or on social media. So we have some pretty fun and creative approaches to that, which I'd be excited to discuss with anyone. So um, yeah, and, and if nothing else, follow us on social media. So that's um, your website is consciouscompanymagazine.com. Exactly. And uh, Facebook is, is uh, facebook.com slash consciouscomag. And on Twitter, we're at consciouscomag. Okay. Well, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you've been listening to a conversation between myself, Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc, and Marin Keeley who is the co-founder of Conscious Company Magazine. And this is an episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. On Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. We do it for you. Make a difference. Pay it forward. Thank you again, Marin, and we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you, David. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.